0: Uh, Absolutely embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. No two ways around it. Colts 4-9-1. They blow the biggest lead in NFL history. Rare air, to steal a phrase from Jim Irsay, um, upper quartile of upper quartile historic losses. Um, And it's a season in my mind at this point that has gone from, you know, really disappointing to truly embarrassing. And that's where we're at, in my opinion, of the most embarrassing Colts season in Jim Mercey's ownership, which dates back to you know about 1997 when he took over for his father. A good Monday morning to you. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is across the way. Uh, we do want to begin with safe travels to anyone out there. I know it's a busy week, particularly late in the week um, with Christmas season, Hanukkah starting um, a- a- as well. So safe travels to anyone this time of year, of course, with work and school kind of winding down for those out there. Um, really appreciate you guys still listening to the podcast. We we will. I, I'm going to actually be working remote next week, um, so we won't have a podcast next week. We'll probably maintain it to just kind of one a week through the end of the season, I think. It's all teetering to the point, Eddie, where big picture, big picture, big picture, and I'll try and still focus kind of on each game, uh, but I understand why everyone has shifted their focus there, so that'll be the plan of attack, and then of course, once again, the off season. I have a feeling we'll have an emergency pod or two. Yep, that we will need to get to. Uh, but before we get into today's pod, Eddie Garrison, always good to see you. How you doing, man?
1: Likewise, I'm doing well. I thought about inserting some uh, circus music at the start of this, like a da 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 Very da. Very fitting. Da. Yeah, blowing a 33 point lead. 33. It's, it's um. I don't it, think I could even do that in Madden.
0: No, yo, it's um, certainly hard to script. But Jeff Saturday, it, you might say Eddie executed the perfect entertainment value and ended in loss and draft position. Right now is sixth. Yeah, as we talk in this Monday morning, could rise up to fifth depending on what happens tonight. Cheer for the Rams to beat the Packers in that one. Before we get into what I didn't like and what I liked, and obviously when you Get a 33-0 lead. There's a lot that I liked yeah. about the start to that game. Um, I do just want to focus on where this season is at at 4-9-1 and, and how, to me, again, it's gone from disappointing. And disappointing is the high expectations at the start of the year. You feel like there's a great opportunity, given Tennessee's trade of A.J. Brown, given the fact that Harold Landry you know, tore his ACL right before the start of the season. You're sitting there thinking – Vegas has the Colts as the favorite. I think a lot of people, I mean, I certainly thought they would be, um, rightfully so, a division favorite. Um, And now it's come to this, to where it's not just disappointing in the sense of, again, you're no longer in the mix. It's just, it's gotten to embarrassment. Um, And there are different levels of embarrassment throughout the year. Shut out in Jacksonville, uh, the New England game. Where you had what your fewest yards per play in Indianapolis Colts history. Mm-hmm. And then the last two weeks on national television, which I think is a really key point to make. Um, if you want to know how Jim Irsay thinks, how public has Jim Irsay been about wanting to be in primetime? Well, his team's been there. And against Dallas and Minnesota, you've gone from 33 to nothing in the fourth quarter last week to Dallas. First time an NFL team has done that in 97 years, and then what you did on Saturday and blowing the biggest lead in NFL history, first time in 102 years, Uh, that is embarrassing. And it's an organization in shambles, um, from top bottom, and so many important questions at so many critical spots. So I, I just think when you factor all that in, man, it's just so embarrassing this season. Again, it's not just the fact that you're 4-9-1, it's how you're getting there in these historic, historic notes on the year. Um, so yeah, I, I I just wanted to start there before we got into what I didn't like and what I what I liked.
1: 55 points. That is the amount of points the Colts have given up in the fourth quarter in the last two games.
0: It, it's... It's... Uh, in a way, Eddie, I was shocked watching Saturday in that I can't believe that just happened, but in reality, I could believe it. Oh yeah. I looked up the money line on the Vikings at halftime. So did I What was the first thing that I that I didn't like? Was it was it the finish of the game?
1: The second half?
0: Okay, let, let's just start there, Eddie. I'm watching the end of the first half. Two minute warning rolls around. Colts are driving. Nice drive. I mean, I I would say probably not the bar was set very high, but probably one of their better offensive drives of the afternoon. They come out from that two-minute warning, and they run five straight runs with Zachary Moss to just bleed clock and then chip a 27-yard field goal in to end the half. I'm like, what? Is there no urgency in trying to score a touchdown here? It was some of the softest play calling I've ever seen at that point of the game. Then they come out for the second half. <laughs> and the Vikings, it's not like the Vikings scored on the first drive. You know? Three and I, out. Vikings come out. They go three and out. You know, Dio or uh, Ngakwe has a big sack on second down. I think Dio had to keep pressure on third down. They go three and out. The Colts then have two drives where they get into Minnesota territory. On each of their first two drives in that third quarter, and on third downs, third and eight, and a third and seven, it is straight give up play screen to Michael Pittman. That's the new staple for this Colts offense. Third downs here, here comes the screen to Pittman, and he's just he's about to get smoked by some DB. Yep, And you're just praying Pittman's toughness can break three tackles to get a first down. That is literally the bread and butter, third down, go-to play of the 2022 Indianapolis Colts. And I'm watching that, and I'm thinking to myself, this is so freaking soft and vanilla and scared and hoping to get to triple zeros. I'm like, the Colts deserve to lose this game. And I tweeted out late late third quarter, I'm like, this is, I mean, we're gonna, are we gonna get to the fourth quarter and this is about to be a game? 'Cause it sure feels like that, even though on the scoreboard, I mean it was what? It was thirty six I'm looking at it right here. Thirty six seven with two minutes to go in the third quarter. You know, it was still a comfortable margin when you look at it. But as soon as and I love a fullback touchdown, as soon as Ham scored that touchdown,
1: game on. Game freaking on. For me, it was when uh Dio had that unsportsmanlike, like conduct penalty or whatever they called on him that led to that That would have been
0: a little bit later
1: that though that was earlier that sparked that first touchdown drive because that would have been a long third down instead it's a first down and then minnesota just that was when rager
0: had the um yeah it would have been a first and 15 after um um when rager had the five yard loss yeah yeah that was a big play now that i'm looking back at the at the box score um and then it just all Unfolded from there. I thought your defensive plan with Justin Jefferson went from really stingy early on. You know, obviously some Gilmore early on. To you, then got out of your game plan, and I think we see teams do this to varying degrees whenever they have leads. I mean, you saw what three teams blow seventeen point leads yesterday or this weekend. Um, you have such a specific game plan throughout the week, and then you abandon it, saying we don't want anything over the top, and you get to this like vanilla stuff. And methodically, Minnesota gets back into the game that way. Again, offensively, there's just no prayer whatsoever for you in stepping on anyone's throat. Um, the, the, The Colts don't have closers, Eddie. think Okay, Major League Baseball, what is a closer? Goes in there, gets the final
1: three outs, ends the game.
0: Come out of the bullpen, you are the pitcher, you're on the mound, three outs. Closers in the NFL, to me, are three positions. Quarterback. Wide out and pass rush. Yep. Freeney and Mathis, for years, closed games. I mean, I appreciate Robert Mathis still tweeting about it. Mathis tweets about it constantly. We are hired to close games. That is a huge part of what we do. You guys give us a lead, and we'll slam the door shut. And how many times do you watch a Kansas City Chiefs game, and you watch Mahomes to Kelsey to Isa game? Mahomes to Tyreek in previous years to ice a game. That big third down where so many people are saying, run, run, run to milk clock, and teams that trust their passing game say, no, 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 we're going to throw it here because we we believe and we're going to go win the game right here, right now. And you look at those three positions, quarterback, wideout, and D N and the Colts could not be further from dynamic in any of those areas or just guys that really thrive when the games on the line to make those plays.
1: Yeah, the alarming thing for me about the whole, you know, meltdown, here are the I mean, touchdown in 340, touchdown in 254. These are the Minnesota touchdowns? Yeah. Touchdown in 214. Um, touchdown in 136. Touchdown in Thirteen seconds because of the Dalvin Cook. Yeah, the
0: Dalvin Cook one.
1: You know there was another play, Eddie, that I'm trying to
0: scroll through the um, game book and look at. I think it was after the Cousins scramble when you tackled him there late, and you wasted all that time and not taking your your third timeout. It was that fourth down late. I think Dio got to him. Um, yes. And you had the opportunity there to take a timeout right away. And you didn't do it. It just, it it was such pathetic coaching in that it was like four corner stall offense. It's exactly what it was, and it started at the end of the first half. Again, I go back to those five straight runs where you you just you totally take the blueprint that helped you build a lead, and you just coached and played and executed so so scared. So obviously, the second half. Um, and just how you finished And the fact that really it wasn't like a full 30 minutes It was more like a 23 minute comeback Yeah. When you look at when Minnesota scored first yeah, To get back into that game So uh, yeah Just uh, utterly embarrassing man
1: uh, Before you get into the passing offense Something that really stood out to me That made absolutely no sense at all They're trying to run clock the entire second half You're coming down to late third quarter Zach Moss gets you three yards on first down, second and seven with, you know, less than a minute to go. And you pass. You have to run one play and the clock runs out of the third quarter to get to the fourth quarter. And it's an incompletion. 25 seconds are left on the clock. So now you're forced into a third and seven. You have to pass again. Can't complete the pass. Now Minnesota gets the ball back with still some time in the third quarter. Instead, if you run the ball on second down, it's... Third down and three, third down and four, fourth quarter, you can bleed off an extra minute. I thought that the game plan decision there was terrible.
0: Yeah, you know, time management was certainly not good. Um, Eddie, I I point to more just a lack of just an ability to extend one drive. If you had one substantial drive, and by a substantial drive, I mean like two first downs, you would have won the football game. I mean, Minnesota came back. If you had told me at halftime, Eddie, okay, 33 nothing. The Vikings will not score for the first seven minutes of the second half, and they're also going to throw an interception Mm -hmm. in the second half. And they're not going to score a defense or a special teams touchdown.
1: And they had a turnover on downs, too, didn't they?
0: In the second Uh, half? Did they have one in the second half, too? I mean, they, they obviously had the fake punt that didn't work in the first half. Like, imagine saying that to somebody, and yet they come back, and hell, they almost won it in regulation. Almost didn't even need overtime.
1: Yeah, they did. And they then, turned it over on downs with three and a half to go. Down.
0: Eight. Oh yeah, they went for the fourth down, the really long one. Yeah, yeah. That actually, that you should have punted in that situation. And then, how about at the end of the game? They're playing for the tie. I mean, if you listen to Kevin O'Connell after the game, they're like, "Yeah, we were." Uh, who's their OC? Chad O'Hara or somebody like that is in Kirk Cousins' ear, being like, "Hey, man, if we tie, we also clinch the division." You watch their urgency on that final drive. It's not urgent. It's like a very methodical, like, oh, wow, we just got 15 yards. Maybe we should try another play. Oh, we just got 20 yards. Maybe we should try and run Greg Joseph out there after that that penalty. Um, God, what a horribly officiated game, by the way.
1: It was just a horrible weekend for officiating.
0: Yeah, that was one of the – I think you guys know this from listening to the podcast. I am not one that talks about the officials much. Um, I I just – I hate whining and moaning about that, and I tend to think calls even themselves out. That was a horrifically officiated game, and honestly, the Colts fav- got the favorable whistle on several, several big calls. But um, let's move to passing offense. Eddie, this is the other thing that I did not like. You know, coming into the game, I was not holding my breath whatsoever for the Colts having some resurgence of a passing offense, but I was listening to the people throughout the week saying, hey... Matt Ryan, a little bit more rust to come out of the bye week, and you're facing the 32nd ranked passing defense in the NFL. So it was one of those things where I'm like, again, I don't have confidence, but I, I can listen to those people that are telling me that, hey, there might be a chance here for a little bit more passing game success. Instead, you get the old, and again, against the worst passing defense in the NFL, uh, Matt Ryan and company throw for. Whatever it was 100 It seems like every game It's like Matt Ryan 182 yards
1: It was 158
0: uh, Was that net If you take out the sacks Because I'm seeing 19 of 33 For 182 right here
1: Oh yeah You could be right there
0: um, He was sacked three times So maybe that That, that contributes to it uh, You guys know I'm a big yards per attempt person, 5.5 yards per attempt for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has played 234 career games. That 5.5 yards per attempt ranks 213th. Mm. 213 out of 234. And again, this is the worst passing defense in the NFL. I found it interesting, and Eddie, you're so indated with radio. I don't know if you caught wind of this, but You had Chris Mortensen tweeting on Saturday morning about potentially a quick leash. I didn't see that now. I should say, quick pull to Nick Foles at some point. Uh, Lindsay Zarniak, that was her pregame little sideline hit. Hmm. I find it very rare that you see that sort of sideline hit pregame, but clearly uh, Mortensen, of course, is almost in bed with the Ursays. (laughs) Um, Zarniak, <laughs> boy, just now picturing that, I probably—that's uh, quite the scene to think about here on a Christmas week. Zarniak, I, 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 clearly, she's getting that from somebody inside the building. Obviously, when you're up 33 to nothing, you're not probably going to bench your starting quarterback throughout that game. But I bring that up to say, you guys know I've wanted Matt Ryan bench for several weeks now. Uh huh. Jeff Saturday was extremely noncommittal to Matt Ryan during yesterday's conference call. It seems like for the first time in several weeks we could be seeing a quarterback change based off, again, the national reports and then Saturday's comments. You guys, I I don't need to repeat myself. Financially, there are huge reasons to do that. Um, And I haven't harped on this as much, Eddie, but like, don't you need to get a better evaluation on some of these guys offensively? Like, I think Michael Pittman's had a kind of up-and-down season. But at times I'm thinking to myself, aren't there plays where Pittman's probably wide open, and Matt Ryan just can't get him the ball? Um, the Jelani Woods playing time still is beyond a mystery to me. Uh, but you know I feel that way a little bit about Pierce, a little bit about Campbell. Like the, their numbers indicate, you know, decent seasons to you know better than decent seasons, considering how, in particular, Campbell, of course, his career has gone. But um, I just thought the passing offense was so, so pathetic and putrid and old and archaic. And, yeah, there's there's no reason to play Matt Ryan. None. And I hear the people that are saying, play him because he helps us tank. Mm-hmm. Eddie, they're playing him because they think he's their best option. How scary is that? It's terrifying. That is scary. I mean, that's... That's like Rosie seeing the Grinch on the Circle last night and being <laughs> frightened of the Grinch. The Grinch did hand her a candy cane. The Grinch did—he certainly smelled like he had had a, a little bit of a ganja experience or two in the afternoon there. So I was curious if the candy cane had anything in it. Um, it broke, so Rosie cried and she did not eat it. Maybe it was for the best, but uh, nonetheless, man, just um, just awful for Matt Ryan in this passing offense. And I don't know if I need to like throw in the caveat. But I will say this because I mean it. Matt Ryan strikes me as an unbelievable dude. Unbelievable dude. Great pro. All of that. Like, could not be more impressed with Matt Ryan off the field. He's done. Absolutely done. No need to play him ever again. Should not play another snap for the Colts.
1: Um. So I was... That 158 was first half and second half total. I forgot to factor in overtime because I was trying to compare first half second half between the two teams and matt ryan in the first half nine fifteen, 118 yards a passing touchdown second half seven of 13 for 40 yards
0: how long ago does that jacksonville game think remember like the no huddle and ryan throws for like 350
1: the kansas city game feels like an eternity ago so it's probably right there
0: i guess that's what happens when you've lost four straight and what seven of eight
1: yeah uh, I'm just trying to find the final offensive numbers.
0: No, nah, we don't total
1: yardage. Uh, the ears are bleeding enough, man. Oh. Three forty one for the Colts, and the second half alone, Minnesota had one more yard than the Colts did the entire game.
0: Yes, yeah, KJ Osborne running free again. <laughs> Boy, Jefferson's a special talent. Uh, should we get into what what I like? Yeah, first half again, um, unbelievable start and. <laughs> Obviously, the finish is the finish, but I, I, I will continue to reiterate I don't think this is a Colts team that quits. I, I, I don't. I, I get how the games have unfolded, but there was no semblance of like we've thrown in the towel early on. Your special teams unit and your defense did so much of the heavy lifting early on in that game. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I, I, I liked, Eddie, was the special teams. I thought that group just set the tone for the entire first half. I thought Dallas Flowers and the opening kick set the tone. Yeah. You know, that big return gives your offense a short field. Certainly, they don't punch it in with seven, but they get three there. Then your defense gets a stop, and boom, what happens on the punt? Fadio Denebo, ironically a former Viking, gets his hand on that ball. And, like, what great recognition by Jojo Doman to find the ball, secure the catch— and then return it for a touchdown. Like, that's that's pretty good by a linebacker, undrafted linebacker in him. Um, you stop the fake punt later on in the first half. And then Chase McLaughlin continues to be, boy, he's that guy in the driving range, Eddie, that you watch him hit, and your friends are like, oh, he, he's a pretty good player. And you watch him on the range, you're like, that dude? <laughs> you know, because it, it's not the prettiest ball, but you know what? He slices and dices that thing 240 down the middle, and he's hitting every fairway. Um, And he's making them from long distances. You know, he's setting a lot of records this year with all of them north of 50. You know, Zaire Franklin had the big punch after the Dalvin Cook uh, big run in the first half. Obviously, Julian Blackman had his pick six. So, you know, when you're an offense that's struggling so much right now, you've got to create opportunities elsewhere. And the Colts did that with their special teams and their defense early on. Um, You know, I, I mentioned this in the five things that I post after every game. One of the first orders of business for whoever is the permanent head coach here needs to be trying to bring back Bubba Ventrone. Eddie, his unit has been so darn consistent throughout his five seasons here. And it's not just one aspect to his unit. Yeah. It's coverage. It's return. They found a kicker. I mean, they lose... Rigoberto Sanchez, and, you know, you don't feel like it's been, like, beyond demoralizing. I mean, they've, they, they've kind of steadied the ship there. Um, just so impressed by Bubba Ventrone. I, I really love how he carries himself. Um, I think he's got a pretty unique kind of coaching style to him. Um, you guys know I thought he should have been interim when they fired Frank Reich earlier in the year. Um, I think Bubba Ventrone's going to be pretty sought after this offseason. You know, maybe not necessarily as a head coaching candidate. Who knows? He he might get an interview or two. But I could see someone hiring him and kind of giving him the title of special teams coordinator slash assistant head coach. You know, give him that role. Um and in a way, I think there's something that, you know, you, you should note that, you know, when Frank Reich was not with this team for, you know, family reasons or COVID over the past couple of years, Bubba Ventrone was the one that he chose to be the interim. Um so I think some high praise. Bill Belichick, I know Loves Bubba Ventrone. So I just thought your defense and your special teams, Eddie, set the tone um, throughout. Your offense did sprinkle in a little bit, not much. Uh, Wild to see. And they did it in a half. First time since 01, they've scored a touchdown on offense, defense, and special teams in the same game. And again, they did that in a half. Um, So great start. Special teams outstanding throughout. I want to see Dallas Flowers get a touch on offense. Really? Can can we see that? How about throw the third down screen to him and not just let Michael Pittman get smoked? <laughs> third down screen. Here we go. Third and eight. Here we go. Uh, You just know it's coming.
1: Yeah. Are uh, you ready for Twitter questions? I am. So I want to do the, the draft order first before because we have some questions regarding that Colts currently possess the sixth pick Uh, there are three other teams with four wins the Rams tonight Monday night they're in Green Bay then they play the Denver Broncos then they go to LA to face the Chargers and then they go to Seattle to face the Seahawks Uh, Denver will be at the Rams then they will be at Kansas City and then they will host the Chargers Arizona will host the Buccaneers then they will travel to Atlanta then they will travel to San Francisco First Twitter question does not pertain to the draft order. From Mitch, for the love of God, why are we sticking with Matt Ryan at quarterback?
0: Last thing I'll mention on draft position, and I think you threw it in there, Eddie. Broncos, Rams play each other next week, right?
1: Uh, Yes. I think that's
0: one of the Christmas Day games. So theoretically there, if Rams win this week tonight against Packers, then Broncos beat the Rams next week. That's wishful thinking of I you. I know, I know, but I'm just saying. That's the Colts mi- have gotten a nice sort of benefit here, draft position. If they would have won on Sunday or Saturday, they would have been down, I think, to ninth in draft position. Uh, okay, uh, first question you're,
1: you're throwing here from Mitch. What would you say? For the love of God, why are we sticking with Matt Ryan? <laughs> yeah,
0: I, Mitch, I, I don't – yeah. It's quite amazing, isn't it? Uh, they think he's the best option, like I said earlier. um. And it's not like Eddie throwing Nick Foles or Sam Ellinger in there is gonna great like it's not to the point where like if Green Bay's season went off the rails, which at times it's been teetering, you have a Jordan Love waiting there. Like I'm not acting like you have this young QB waiting in the wings that everyone's clamoring for. You don't have the five star freshman. Right. That people just can't can't wait to see in there. But you know what with Foles you don't have the financial burden of 17 million if the guy gets hurt. That's one. Two. Again, do you get a little bit of a better evaluation for your football team? Okay, we see Alec Pearson a little bit more of a variety of routes. Um, maybe Jelani Woods getting targeted more. Um, that is some of the line of thinking there. And then with Ellinger, of course, that is the younger guy that you know you just throw into the fire and get a little bit more of a truer evaluation on. Um, I mean, you're not gonna win three in a row with either of with Foles and or Ellinger in the lineup there. So Mitch, they literally think he's the best guy. And I what worries me a little bit with Jeff Saturday is like did he just fall in love with Matt Ryan, the 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 pro?
1: Yeah. Oh man,
0: I love how he handles himself. Love how he's gone about his business. Total pro. Great leader. Yeah. I, I, you know. Can we watch the film? Ooh.
1: Do we watch the film?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's a fair comparison there.
1: Uh Flippin and Dylan ask There's no way that we keep Jeff Saturday and Chris Ballard after this, right? Also, new slogan for the draft blow the lead to secure our needs.
0: <laughs> Give that to me again on that on that slogan.
1: I'm afraid I'm going to get a comment from a couple of people when oh, I say no. it again. Come on. Blow the lead to secure our needs.
0: I think it's got a good ring to it. That was great. Um, we got a lot of Ballard-specific <laughs> questions on that front. Um, I will say this quite often, Eddie, over the next few weeks. Again, with Jimmer, say you never know how he's going to operate. You never truly know. I mean, think back to the Washington game before that game. All the national reports... the. The morning of that game. Frank Reich's safe. Frank Reich's safe. Well, then you blow a two-score lead to a backup QB at home in the fourth quarter, and Daniel Snyder, with a hooded sweatshirt on, walks out of there victorious. Then the next week, you have the fewest yards per play in Indianapolis Colts' franchise history in Foxborough, and you fire Mark Spray after the first game. You fire Frank Reich after the second game. So, you never, never truly know. We had Zach Kiefer on our show this morning, Zach's latest. He spoke with Ursay. I asked him for the timeline. I was really curious. It sounded like after Cowboys game, before Vikings game, and Urse again, publicly backed Ballard. Um, so this is kind of the second time we've heard Ursay do that here over the past month and a half. Now, again... Did he
1: compare him to Jordan again?
0: I did not get a Michael Jordan reference in there, but who knows? Maybe this is like the baseball hibernation for Ballard, and maybe mm. you know he'll come back and we'll get more of those references. Um, You just had another Arguably the most embarrassing One of the most embarrassing moments your franchise has had And how do you react To that Um, I think the key word in all of this is embarrassment And I mentioned this to open up the pod Ursay does not like to be embarrassed He does not like his organization being laughed at mocked Eddie, I'm sure you watched the World Cup on Sunday. Oh, that was so good. It was, is Jeff Saturday Argentina's manager? People putting the Colts logo on the Argentina flag. I mean, the Colts were a laughingstock. Um, thank the Lord, Jacoby
1: Myers threw the ball to Chandler Jones, oh, or else yes. they would
0: still be being mocked for what happened on Saturday.
1: Um, and thank you to the official and the uh, Commanders game last night, too.
0: Yeah, for yeah, helping that with the Terry McLaurin uh, alignment issue there. So, I, I just... Urse is always a tough read. I think you guys have heard me say this throughout. I don't get the feeling that Ballard was ever in the same boat as Reich. And I also think this, Eddie. Does Ursay have the ego to fire both in the same year? Or is the ego too much, I I should say, to fire both in the same year? Remember, he didn't fire Grixon and Pagano in the same year. Chris Ballard didn't want Chuck Pagano as his head coach. But yet, Ursay wanted Pagano around for one more year. Yeah, finally cave in, caved. Does he do that here? I know the ESPN article came out over the weekend on the finances. I don't know if you saw that, of owners and how much they pay, firing head coaches and GMs. They mentioned Reich salary in there. $9 million annually that Frank Reich will be paid each of the next four seasons. So that adds up to about $36 million. Obviously, Baller is not making that much. But to me, it's less about those finances and more about ego. I just extended these guys 16 months ago. And now all of a sudden, I'm going to fire both of them in the same year? And I get it. I think there's a human nature element, Eddie, that I think all of us would have a little bit of difficulty in admitting that that was wrong. But when you're in a position of such extreme authority like Jim Mercer is, you have to be willing to sit back. Is he? Public comments say no. But we've had some embarrassment. And the embarrassment's grown. And the embarrassment has been on national Television, an owner that has pleaded for those games. So a couple weeks ago, a month ago, I didn't get the feeling that Ballard was going anywhere. But as the embarrassment grows, how does it unfold?
1: Yeah, I was about to ask you that if if Jim would be willing to fire Chris and have to pay Chris yeah, I don't. And Frank and two other people to do the job. Right. I, yes, it is a lot.
0: Boy, it's a lot for people inside that building. They got to juggle those, you know, checkbooks and company. And it, then it, it's a lot. But I would side Eddie with. It's more of can you check your ego at the door. And and that's to me what it largely boils down
1: to. And the second question for me is: Was this loss more embarrassing than the Jacksonville loss oh. at the end of the season last year? I,
0: that's a great question. It is I think it's more embarrassing in just the course of a 60 minute football game, but obviously it's not as embarrassing when you factor in the stakes. Like when you factor in the stakes of what what was that play here, th- how last season ended was but just sheer like we played a football game for 60 minutes and you were you know given a 33point lead and that team didn't score for the first seven minutes of the second half and threw an interception, and you still blew that lead, that's where it adds to the embarrassment. I will say this, and I I don't know what you think. I still think the Colts' fake punt is more embarrassing than, than the end of that Raiders-Patriots game. Ooh. Hear me out on, on this, okay?
1: But that, but that fake punt doesn't cost you the game.
0: Okay, fair. But you literally coached. That play, thought that play would work, called that play, and you called that play when Clayton Gathers, the guy that drilled the play all week long, was in the locker room because he was hurt. Their coaching staff thought that play would work. New England's coaching staff didn't call for that play. That was Ramadre Stevenson and Jacoby Myers going rogue. Myers specifically going yeah, rogue. Super rogue. I mean, so that's where I that's where I differ in that like your coaching staff literally thought that play was going to work, and then they ran it when Clayton Gethers, the guy who had run it all week I mean, think about it. When you run a fake like that, you—I mean, we're able to watch Colts practice. You occasionally will see some fake plays being practiced. They run these fake plays a lot, and yet don't run them in the games. But part of it is you want to drill, drill, drill. Make sure you're so locked in, everybody's on the same page, to where you don't have the issues that you clearly had on that play. But yeah, when Clayton gathers in the in the uh, locker room, you still run that. I think when you factor in the coaching, that's where to me it's so yeah nice play. I totally hear you out on it. That play literally cost you the football game.
1: So and considering who the coach is of that team, they're usually pretty good in right. those.
0: And I'm sure McDaniel's and Belichick that probably adds to it as well.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, Drew says, I know you have talked about it in the past, but it seems like the Colts have not been able to finish out. From Chuck Pagano, especially Frank Reich, and now Jeff Saturday, the Colts always blow leads and or play from behind. Is this a player problem or what? The whole good character thing is fantastic, but does that mean a there is a lack of a killer instinct?
0: Yeah, I, I do think you lack a killer instinct, but I'll go back to what I said earlier, Eddie. I think you lack major talent at the spots that finish. Quarterback, wide out, edge rush. Those spots are your finishers in the NFL.
1: Colts don't have them. They I texted them. Uh, one of my friends after the game Saturday, or it might have been yesterday, and I said, I would give up. I'm not going to say the exact phrasing here, but I gave I would give up more than my pinky Whoa. to have a guy like a C.D. Lamb, a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, or or an amon Ross, St. Brown, because those guys always find ways to get open when you need them to make a play, and the Colts don't have that at the wide receiver position.
0: I thought about future Garrison's there for a second with that comment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I couldn't agree more, Eddie. Um, on the good character front, I I do think. There's an element of just this team does not do well when the bullseye's on its back. They never play from ahead in seasons. Um, until Jeff Sarri took over, they weren't playing from ahead in games, and they just don't thrive in that. Um, so I do think there's a lack of a killer instinct. And I know I've done this before, but, you know, Eddie, remember back when the Colts played the Titans in Nashville earlier this year? We played that halftime audio. Mike Vrabel and Frank Reich. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure Frank Reich hated that and probably wasn't too happy with me that I keep on harping on it. But I think that's a big indicator of just a lack of a killer instinct, the ability to kind of step on the throat of the opponent, put teams away. I mean, I'll go back to the 4th-and-2 play at Lucas Oil Stadium, Patriots-Colts, when Belichick decided to go for it on 4th-and-2. They didn't get it, but I totally understand why Belichick went for it. Yes, it was a slap in the face and saying, I don't trust my defense to defend Peyton Manning. But it also was saying, We have the football. I think our best option to win this football game is to have Tom Brady throwing it. Let's go try and win it. Is that the Melvin bullet? Melvin bullet on Kevin Falk. So I get it, but yeah, I mean again, they lack major talent at those spots.
1: Uh did Frank uh not Frank Craig, did uh, Matt Ryan get the first down? On the quarterback sneak,
0: you know, I thought the whistle was a hair early, but they were they were early with the whistle all game long. So I guess in a way you appreciate consistency, but um, usually you you see them kind of allow for that second surge, uh, but but they they didn't. So I mean, I guess the Michael Pittman early whistle bailed you out, and so did the Sullivan kid on the second fumble. Um, yeah, I thought he got it under normal circumstances, but within how that game was called. He did not get it. I was fine with him going for to be honest with you. I, I get that McLaughlin has made a lot of long field goals, and maybe he makes that one, but um, it's, just such, it's
1: just sad that they can't pick up two inches. Hooray for our draft order, but in all seriousness, losing like that is not how I wanted to lose. That's just an embarrassing effort in the second half. This is from Mike. Who is the scapegoat now? That Frank Reich isn't here And I believe it is officially time To clear house Right? Yeah Mike I don't think there are any scapegoats
0: left at this point I guess maybe another benching of Matt Ryan Um, You know I think there's a small section Of the fan base That like sits here with Mike Eddy And saying You know as long as you can live with that embarrassment Of the loss Come April you're going to be fine with it You know right now the Colts winning that game I think would have pushed them three spots down the draft order. They're at 6 right now, could be 5th by the end of the night. So three or four spots. Yeah. Winning that game would have pushed them down. As long as you can swallow the pill of hearing on a frequent basis on broadcast, well, as long as they're not like the Colts against the Vikings, this game is over. You know, as long as you can withstand hearing that um. this was the result that you wanted. Again, I, I totally understand. That was embarrassing to watch. You know, it's funny. My my brother-in-law came over. He's got a six-year-old nephew, diehard Colts fan, wearing his Leonard jersey, bouncing around my house Saturday morning. And they come over and talk about the game. And, you know, explaining to that kid that it's best if the Colts should lose is difficult. And, like, Maddie is literally yelling at the TV, like, I understand that you're telling me that long term it's best if the Colts should lose, but I'm watching this game unfold and I can't go there. I can't, it's 33 to nothing. I, I can't get my mind to say, I want the Colts to lose this game. Now, there are some people that, again, can push the emotions aside a bit and can do that, but watching that unfold, trust me, it was the best result for draft position, but I will not fault any fan that watched that game unfold and said, I wanted the Colts to to blow it, because it was just so so embarrassing and obviously historic, and all of those things. Boy, that Saturday, boy, that uh, that's quite the test on fandom. Plus thirty
1: five hundred. Did you dabble?
0: I I had it. I I put ten bucks in. Was this close to pressing send, and I did not. Mm. I know. I'm such a, you know what?
1: Was this the most productive loss Eddie, of the? Eddie,
0: the fact, sorry to interrupt. The fact that I thought about it, though, shows you where I was at halftime. I watched those final five plays of the first half and I'm like, what? What, what are we doing? Here? Like, you never see a team in the red zone run it five straight times to end the first half. Nope. Yeah, that's what the Colts did. Bleed the clock, and I'm like, does Jeff Sardy have Chase McLaughlin on his fantasy team here? Like what? what like what's going on? Is he so, going
1: against uh, Michael Pittman
0: Jr.? I was going to say, which oh boy, I'm I need Alan Lazard to like exit early tonight. Oh, is this in R? No, I feel okay in R's. I, I think I'm going to advance in R's unless Green Bay's defense is a big one. I'm playing Brian, who's a good dude. Um, how are you looking? trying to load up my matchup now, but uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about our... I'm in another league where I need Alan Lazard to get hurt on the opening drive.
1: I'm in a league where... I have like a three-point lead. I know people don't care about this either. I'm in a Yahoo league. Yeah. And the way that they broke it down, they did... It's a 12-team league and there's four divisions of three. And the top team from each division advanced. I scored the fewest points in my division, won my division at 9-5 and somehow, and now i'm going on to the championship give that give that to us again i was the lowest scoring team in my division finished 9 and 5 and now i'm on my way to the championship i don't know how i did it miracles baby uh do you believe in them yes <laughs> cameron is next uh was this the most productive loss of the season Uh, Death, kneel for Matt Ryan. Offense didn't outscore the defense or special teams. Two, eliminate Saturday from contention for the next year. Three, further improved draft position.
0: Cameron, That um, that is quite the way to look at it. But boy, I can't disagree with any of it. And again, I will throw this in so many times over the next few weeks. You never know what Jim is truly going to do. But you look at all those things and you think, how can you stick with Matt Ryan? How can you sell Jeff Saturday? I, I can't with any ounce of confidence defend that. You know, it's like we're back in debate class, Eddie. Can you yeah. imagine getting that? All right, Kevin, your project for today is say that Matt Ryan should be the Colts starting quarterback in 2023. Mrs. Jones, I'd rather go stick two pencils in my eyes. <laughs> And fresh out of the sharpener, I used to love sharpening my pencil. You know how hot that sharpener would get in the back, and then dump the little wood shavings, shavings into the uh, trash. Did you have the old wind it? Well, we we, we had we definitely had the crank, um, but we also had the electric one at times. And boy, that was that's when you knew you were in a good classroom there. Uh, uh, yes. Cameron, that's that's it's a really really sad question, but boy, was this the most productive loss of the season? You know, the scary part, and I've said this in prior years, Eddie, the Colts have entered seasons, and I've said the most important position or the most important aspect of the season, you got to find out what you're doing at quarterback. More than record, you got to find out what you're doing at quarterback. In a way, that's kind of what Cameron's getting at with this question. More than anything, you've got to make sure that you make a decision on Matt Ryan. I think we know where that one should be leaning. And you've got to make a decision on Jeff Saturday. You don't want to be waffling with these things you don't want to have uh, should we hold on to them should we not this you know that's what you don't want
1: uh by the way i'm advancing in the kevin's corner pod so you're moving on yeah okay. the both of us are in are, the are we semi play each other? no not the only way we play each other is if it's in the championship
0: wow that's big time yeah as long as green bay doesn't do anything stupid defensively tonight I think I'm gonna hold my lead.
1: Uh, Connor is next. Surely Jim Ursay can't hire Jeff Saturday after the season, no matter how much he loves him. Right now, we can't predict Ursay but it is really willing. But is he really willing to anger an already angry fan base? Love the pod. Have been listening for a while and reading all the articles.
0: Thank you, Connor. That means a lot. Connor was my favorite boy name choice. I got outvoted on that. Love the name Max though. So. Um, zero bitterment there. Shout-out to a couple of my friends. That, Sounds
1: a little bitterment there.
0: Uh, no, no, no. Shout-out to Colson Esposito and Lucy Witcher, two of my friends that had children here recently. Um, great parents that both of those two were born to. Uh, okay, Connor, um, yeah, it, it, it's a hard sell. You know, Eddie, I have thought this. Where have you improved under Jeff Saturday? Gotten off the better starts, mm-hmm. without question. <laughs> I think the offensive line play... Gotten a hair better. That's it, man. That's a short list. Do you find it interesting that Saturday is like always going to Bubba Ventrilo on the
1: sideline? We have a question about that. Do we? Yes. Yeah,
0: that's something I've noticed.
1: Um, I'll you go know, to the, that question the, now, actually. The
0: end game stuff, the challenges haven't been great. Um, it's wild how s- Saturday's game unfolded. I thought for a moment in the first half, Oh my gosh, this is going to be what Jim Ursay sells the Colts fan base on in keeping Saturday. That's what I thought when the first half was unfolding. Knowing Ursay, knowing the emotional, knowing the, you know, believing the Hollywood script and all that. That's what I thought. And then, boy, how quickly that changed.
1: Yeah, I'm going to skip down a few here. David, he had the question about Jeff Saturday and Bubba Ventrone. He said that he noticed it quite a few times over this trial run with Jeff Saturday that he has deep conversations with Bubba about decisions like going forward or challenging. I like that we're – I think we're seeing who really should have been the interim head coach and should be the in-house front runner. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, I, again, I thought Bubba should have been the interim, David. I tweeted out during the game on Saturday, Bubba Ventrone should coach the final three games. I, lo- I, I re- I'm a big Bubba Ventrone fan. I like a lot a lot about him. Um, I like the special teams aspect background. I think that's something that you know I, I understand why some coaches have had that background and had success in the NFL so um, I'm not necessarily saying that Bubba Ventrone should be the permanent head coach but I I would interview him. I mean the guy that I want right now, D'Amico Ryans 10 out of 10. if Demico Ryans can give you a Shanahan pole from that offensive tree, Somebody on that staff from the Shanahan tree. And so you can kind of replicate a lot of what San Francisco does offensively. I love watching them operate offensively. Again, I understand the reservations about hiring a defensive coach, but I just love how that 49ers defense plays. Love what I hear about Ryan's as a leader. Eddie, he'd be he would be, he'd be atop my short list.
1: Uh, for me, it would be Callahan from... Um... Cincinnati with the work he's done with Joe Burrow. and Brian then,
0: Callahan, the OC.
1: Yes, and then um, Shane Steichen, OC with the Eagles, and then see if he can poach, uh, I forget his first name, but quarterbacks coach Johnson. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson over there and have him be the OC for the horseshoe with that young quarterback, hopefully, that the Colts hopefully draft. Uh, three questions left. Tyler is next. Well I speak on behalf of every Colts fan when I say this, Is exactly how this game was predicted to go. On a serious note, what's your evaluation on Julian Blackman at cornerback? Uh, Do you think he has a shot at a corner position, or do you think you would prefer to keep him at safety? Always thanks to you and Mr. Eddie Garrison for all the work you do.
0: Mr. Eddie Garrison. Wow. That's a little
1: too much respect there. Tyler, if this is the same Tyler that's in the Fantasy League, I'm sorry that you had to, you know, just get lost story you did. Whoa,
0: Eddie, you go I there no, the guy I, no, 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 no. I, like
1: that? I didn't beat him. Oh. Okay. He was the top seed. He was like 11-3. And, and And he's out? Yeah, he got blown out like 160-110. Wow. to 110. His team just laid an egg. That That is, wow, that's incredible. Um,
0: I do think something has been interesting to watch over the last couple of weeks, you know, Kenny Moore injuries played into this. I have been somewhat intrigued by the three safety look they've given. Rodney Thomas second. Rodney McLeod. And then Julian Blackman. Of course, Blackman's got the corner background at Utah. That's where he was early in his career. Um, you know, you wonder how much the injuries Eddie kinda could limit him a little bit as a full time guy in that role. Um, you know, he's certainly had some s- success in that nickel slot corner. Um you know, is Kenny Moore kind of a cap casualty guy? You know, do you do you look at that this offseason? Do you bring Roddy McLeod back? I mean, he, he's 32. I think gotta acknowledge that, you know, the Mike Mitchell experiences, you know, those things typically last like one year. You know, you don't really see that kind of multiple years. I don't know, maybe. Especially with wild. a veteran
1: trying to, you know, at the tail end of his career, trying to find somewhere where he can, you know, mentor right some young safeties or win a championship. I st- I guess Blackman and Thomas maybe a little bit too similar to play them alongside
0: each other. I still like Blackman; just I trust him at that safety spot there, but. I, my eyes have been open to this, Tyler. And, um, you know, part of the end of the season evaluation. And again, I posted the nine things to watch for over the final four weeks. You know, Eddie, how about Dio Dengbo with a few more flashes on Saturday? Yes. Because those are the things you want to be watching. If you're a Colts fan, you're going to sit down for three hours over the next couple weeks. I'm going to try and give you some stuff to watch. And that's why I want to see more Jelani Woods on offense. I want to see Alec Pierce's route tree not just be go ball, go ball, go ball. Some other things. Um, again, Dio, of course. Quiddy, of course. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more EJ Speed. I mean, I tweeted out on Saturday, dude. feels like EJ Speed barely plays, always makes an impactful play. That dude is going to get a starting opportunity somewhere in the NFL at well, linebacker. I'd like to see more Dallas Flowers at corner. You know, just to – I don't need to see Brandon face on anymore. You know, again, see some of these younger guys. So, um, how about the young defensive tackles? I know Eric Johnson's playing. You drafted him in round five. Let's dress Curtis Brooks for a couple of these final games. He's a six-round pick. Boom. Uh, It's wild to think the Colts are still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs because the AFC South is such an utter joke. Um, But, yeah, that's something that I would – like to see
1: there's no chance ballard stays in the front office with that performance right this is from conroy there are so many records not the good kind this roster has achieved this season another question if he does stay for some reason do you actually believe he drafts a quarterback in the first round or trades up for a quarterback lose out please please
0: so I'm looking at these play. If the Colts of the Jags or Titans win this weekend, Colts are eliminated. So the Colts will know that before Monday,
1: obviously. Can you literally just say that? Do you think anybody cares? Uh, no, because I think everyone thinks they've they've been out of it. Yeah, kind of on the quarterback front. Speaking of which, I was laughing Saturday night watching Bills Dolphins. Oh, did they put them on N- when the NFL. NFL Network put up? The Colts and it was in the hunt and I saw the good our good old friend Mike Chapel put on Twitter and he said, Stop it. I mean, can you believe that? I love Chap. I love Chap, one of a kind.
0: Um that's why I sit next to at the in the press box. Absolutely love it. Um, okay, uh Conroy, quarterback related question. Eddie, my question is, is Jim Ursa gonna mandate it? Is Jim Ursa gonna mandate draft a quarterback?
1: How can you not?
0: If we can get more into this in the offseason. It's interesting to me if you look at Ursay's history as a GM, okay, not as an owner. Ursay's GM history had a lot of quarterback revolving door, which always kind of fascinates me to think he experienced that and yet he's signing off on that with Chris Ballard. You know, you would think that he just watched what Manning and Luck do for your franchise. Why not continue to go down that path? Yeah. And I know I've brought this up before. But I think it's worth mentioning, look at the top nine teams right now in the AFC. All first-round picks of quarterback. And I think eight of the nine were drafted by that team. Tannehill the only one not. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just the path you have to go down. Again, it's it's not an easy path. Not acting like that. you got to hit bullseye or the little green ring,
1: but you got to aim for that. You can't aim for the outer edges. Nope. Last question comes from Zach. How much does our draft position play into our ability to land a top coaching prospect? Does a top five pick with the ability to draft a quarterback significantly increase our odds at Jim Harbaugh as a uh, high caliber coach as opposed to a top 15 pick? Thank you as always. Zach,
0: it's a really good question. Um,
1: That is a good question.
0: Really good question. I do think it plays into it. Um, I also would argue this. I mean, you've got some questions, ownership-wise, about how much Jim Merce has impacted decision-making. You have a question about GM. You know, Eddie, if you are a head coach, think about this. If you're a head coach, would you want to take this job when you almost look at Chris Bauer as kind of a lame-duck GM? What happened— Part of me thinks if you hire the new head coach, you would tie that coach to Ballard at the hip. But again, with Ursa, you never know. But like, what happens if you get two years into this? Ursa kind of likes the head coach, no longer likes Ballard, fires the GM, hires yeah. a new GM. Mm-hmm. Now that new GM is going to be like, I d- I didn't pick this coach. You know, you you don't have any ties to him. How would that impact it? So I think there are a lot of questions with this hire. And again, there's an element of there's one of it's one of thirty two. So it's not like everyone's just going to sit there and pass. But you see it every year. Hell, you saw it with Chris Ballard. You see GM, coaching, GM candidates and head coaching candidates get deep into the interview process and pull out for whatever reason. Ballard did it several times. Tomiko mi- Ryans did it last year yeah. in Minnesota. Again, That you know, if you believe them, that had a little bit more to do with their playoff run. But I think those are all things to factor in. Right now the openings are Carolina and Indy. Um, Carolina's two spots behind Indy in the draft order. Is Arizona going to open up? Steve Kime looks like he's no longer going to be the GM there. Arizona right now is above Indy.
1: Cleveland? You never know with them.
0: Yeah, that I feel like that one hasn't been talked about too, too much, but yeah, that'll be... I feel like with Watson they will hold on to um, Stefanski? Kevin Stefanski for for another year. Um, I I know Andrew Barry a little bit, and I, I I just I don't see him doing anything too rash there. Uh, obviously, what's going to happen in Denver with with Nathaniel Hackett? You know, they, their pick goes to Seattle, but and then I guess what also happens with Houston? <laughs> Does Lovey make it to another year? I feel like they've played decent, but they're still one twelve and one. So uh, I'll be very curious to see. Again, do we see any more openings? What happens with the Raiders?
1: Here's a sneaky one. The L.A. Rams. Yeah. How serious is this injury for Stafford?
0: Now, again, Eddie, their pick goes to Detroit. So yeah. So it's not like that. I don't think that would be super enticing nope. to a lot of people. Um, but you're in L.A. You know, how many openings are we going to have? And I know there's a, there's probably some of this that we say this every year in like mid to late December, and there's always like seven openings, but it does seem like with this cycle, you know, if I set the over-under at 4.5 or 5.5, I'd probably take think, the under. Yeah, I, 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 I could see that. So, Zach, it's a very good question. I think it matters. I do. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all. Uh, but the good news, Zach, to your question is the Colts have moved up. I mean, the Colts have gone from, what, like 13th in draft position to, like, six over the last couple of weeks. But, I mean, what, they're only a three-point underdog Monday night, right? A week from tonight? You only that, three. Right? Three was the early line. No JT. They'll face the Giants coming up on New Year's Day. I, I can't imagine that spread will be more than a handful. And then the Texans, they'll be favored in that one in all likelihood. So, I mean, the Colts could mess around and win a game or two. And Please dangerous. don't. That's dangerous, man. Hey, you got to watch Justin Herbert and Saquon Barkley each of the next two weeks. On my list of NFL players, I like to watch play football. Those two are very high on my list.
1: Yep. I
0: was going against Barkley last night in fantasy in a different league, and it was painful to watch him. But, man, he is. He's a
1: talent, dude. At least he didn't get into the end zone. Or did he? He did. Oh, he did? That's right. He did.
0: Trust me. I was like, Daniel Jones, you keep it. You do not give it to that man. Of course, he gave it to him. Uh,
1: no pun next week, right? Because you are...
0: Yeah, I'm going to be remote next week. So on again, vacation? We will dial it back. Yeah, we're going to do the show, our morning show. I will do that Monday, Tuesday. So, Kevin and Query, the podcast page on that front, if you want to hear insight.
1: I get it. I'm not good enough for you. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I, but, hey, you and me both,
0: man. We, we don't want to mess around with the old Zoom audio or anything like that. Um, and yeah, I am trying to spend a little time with the family, of course. Uh, post-Christmas holiday. Going to
1: like what, Bora Bora, right? you going to uh, Dubai?
0: I wish. I wish. Yeah, I'll certainly play some golf in those areas. Actually, I don't even think we're going to be playing golf, but nonetheless, we will come back with a pod here, probably right around the new year, and focus in on these last two games of the season, and obviously some big picture stuff. So as we led the podcast off with, whether it's Hanukkah action, Kwanzaa, Christmas, whatever, maybe celebrate absolutely nothing this time of year, does Lindu. Yeah, more time with family and friends, and definitely travel. So, um, thinking about everybody and safe travels on all of those fronts. Eddie Garrison, thank you to you.
1: Thank you, Kev, and uh, also just always want to say thank you to all those that you know listen to us and when you download the podcast and when you like, rate, subscribe, and comment on YouTube. I appreciate it. Eddie appreciates it. Everybody have a great holiday season.
0: We'll talk to you in a week or so. Later.